What is up, Ewu crew? Today we are exploring three more cold cases that have already been solved at the beginning of 2021. Let's get into it. The first case we're taking a look at is a bit unusual, as due to strange circumstances, it wasn't declared a cold case until much later than may be expected. 18-year-old Angie Dodge was living in Idaho Falls, Idaho, when she didn't show up for work on June 13, 1996. Growing worried, two of her colleagues went to her apartment, hoping to find her, but upon arrival, they were horrified to discover Angie's body in her bedroom with her throat cut. Investigators quickly determined that she had been killed in the early hours of that morning and assaulted. From the DNA evidence they collected on her body, they assumed that there had only been one assailant who attacked and killed Angie. The police ran the DNA sample that they had collected, but it didn't match anyone in their system. Though it took months to find a suspect, by January 1997, 19-year-old Christopher Tapp was named as the case's prime suspect. However, the DNA evidence didn't match Tapp, and it seemed to point to someone else being Angie's killer. And yet, the police weren't deterred. Even without physical evidence, they still believed that Tapp had to be involved in Angie's death. The explanation was that multiple people had been there when she died, and Tapp was one of them, even though the DNA said otherwise. During intense interrogations, Tapp eventually confessed to Angie's murder and even gave the names of his alleged accomplices, though the DNA didn't match any of the people he named. Despite this issue, the case was taken to trial. In 1998, the jury found Tapp guilty, and he was sentenced to 30 years in prison for Angie's murder and assault. It appeared that Angie's murder had been swiftly solved and her killer caught, but that wasn't the case at all. Tapp repeatedly appealed his sentence, proclaiming his innocence, and though he was consistently denied, he eventually found an unlikely supporter, Angie's mother, Carol Dodge. Though she had previously tried to have him receive the death penalty for her daughter's murder, Carol no longer believed that Tapp was guilty, and she began to fight to have him released. After over a decade in prison, the Idaho Innocence Project became involved in Tapp's case. Still, it took many long years to have Tapp's guilt reevaluated. He ended up spending 20 years in prison before it was revealed that Tapp's confession had been coerced, and that during the process, he had been threatened by the police. It is reported that Tapp's interrogation had lasted nearly 30 hours. He later explained the frustrating ordeal, saying, It was a forced and false confession. I was lied to. I was tricked. I was manipulated. I believed in my heart of hearts that I was doing the right thing with the police. As he had been wrongly convicted, Tapp was finally released in 2017. Investigators then reopened Angie's case, designating it a cold case, as many of their only leads had centered around Tapp as her killer. 
They eventually brought in Parabon Nanolabs to help identify the person who had actually left the DNA sample on Angie. It wasn't until May 6, 2019, that the name of Angie's real killer was found, Brian Drips. Tap was officially exonerated that year, as he had been wrongly accused and locked in prison for 20 years for a crime he didn't commit. Tap is currently seeking a wrongful conviction lawsuit with a federal jury. He has lamented, I lost the opportunity to raise a family, pursue a career, and to share in the most basic freedoms that we all live for. Even still, he explained in an interview his utmost admiration for Carol's strength in this case, as a mother who was able to set aside her own anger and grief to go back and do the research that would lead to his justice. Tap spoke. In the scheme of life, what's 20 years? She lost her daughter. She lost a part of her. With real evidence against Drips, investigators looked into his past and discovered that he had lived across the street from Angie at the time of her death. On May 10th, police went to Drips' new address in Caldwell, Idaho, where they saw him smoking outside his house. When he flicked the cigarette butt into the road, a detective ran across the street to collect it. The sample was then taken and compared to the DNA sample found on Angie. It came back as a match. Though he was arrested on May 15, 2019, it wasn't until much later that he confessed to the crime. On February 9, 2021, after over 20 years free and another man serving two decades in prison for his crimes, Drips pled guilty to the first-degree murder and assault charge. While in court, he admitted that he had intended to assault Angie, but that he had no memory of killing her, saying, quote, I didn't mean to murder her. Though he never admitted to killing Angie, he also never denied it. However, Drips did admit that he had been drinking the night of Angie's death and that he had been high on cocaine. As part of a plea, Drips has agreed to a fixed term of 20 years to life in prison, and he will be sentenced on April 27, 2021. Angie's family has expressed great relief at the conclusion of her case and happiness to see that the right man is finally in jail. Our next case took place in 2007 when Joanne Howell was discovered at her Hughesdale apartment in Victoria, Australia. 51-year-old Joanne was a talented singer with a beautiful voice who had performed on the Australian music show Countdown in the 1970s. Before her death, she had been working as a data entry operator at a security company. On April 21, 2007, around 11.20 p.m., Joanne was found by her boyfriend after being attacked in her apartment. She had been beaten and strangled. Her boyfriend, Paul Charlton, called emergency services immediately upon finding her. At the time, Joanne was believed to still be alive when she was discovered, and so the paramedics were called to save her. However, it was sadly reported that she died at the crime scene likely before the paramedics even arrived. 
The police believed that Joanne had known the person who attacked her, as she had likely let them into her home. Knowing this piece of information, the first suspect in the case was Joanne's boyfriend, Charlton, who described himself as a pub karaoke king, as he was a host for karaoke events. Charlton was arrested at the scene of Joanne's death. After extensive interviews and continual denial, he was later released by police, but not entirely cleared of suspicion. Joanne's neighbors came forward to share that they had heard the couple fighting throughout the day and that they recalled a loud noise around 9 p.m., as though there had been a fight or someone had knocked something over. After more interviews, Charlton admitted that Joanne had implied that their relationship was over, as she was moving away to Perth in four weeks and that he had to move out. But Charlton maintained that he had left the apartment at 9.30 to take the dog for a walk, and he had returned at 11.19 to find Joanne attacked by an unknown assailant who had broken in and killed her. Yet there was no sign of a struggle at the scene, and nothing was stolen from Joanne's apartment, nor was she assaulted, casting skepticism on Charlton's statements. Even though the police publicly stated that Charlton was the main person of interest, they didn't have enough proof ever to charge him. They believed that Joanne had been attacked in a two-and-a-half-hour window between 8.30 to 11.19 p.m., something which would become important later on. Following an extensive investigation, no one was ever arrested for Joanne's murder, and her case fell into the often-doomed category of a cold case. In 2012, Joanne's case saw a ray of hope, with the coroner claiming that evidence seemed to point to Charlton being connected to her death. And though the investigators stated that they had uncovered a motive for the murder, they didn't reveal anything as it hadn't yet been confirmed. It had appeared that Joanne's case was close to being solved, but nothing more came of the revelations. By 2018, Joanne's family made an appeal to have the information released that the police had teased in 2012 and also demanded that Charlton be charged for her death. But still, police didn't have enough evidence. In the 13 years after Joanne's death, the police and her community never forgot about her. In 2020, Joanne's case was given a new inquiry. The police created a digital composite image of the man that was seen by witnesses acting suspiciously near her apartment around the time that she died. The hope was that someone would recognize the picture and come forward. Investigators also managed to drastically narrow down the window that she was attacked to the exact space between 9 p.m. and 9.15. It was this new time frame for Joanne's death that helped to eventually crack her case, as the small window in which she was attacked cast doubt on some of the testimonies given during the investigation. Specifically, Charlton's claims that Joanne was fine when he had left the apartment at 9.30 to walk the dog, and that she had been attacked sometime after that, before he returned. In early January 2021, Charlton, now aged 66, 
was arrested and re-interviewed with the new evidence in mind. Since Joanne had been strangled before Charlton left to walk the dog, it became glaringly clear to investigators that he had been the one to attack her. On January 6th, he was officially charged with Joanne's murder. He is set to be in court in June of 2021. Joanne's sister Lisa recently commented on the situation, saying, We talk about it on any birthday, Christmas, on special occasions, Joe's birthday, the day it happened. We get together and talk about it as a family. So we have been waiting for that phone call to happen for so long that it's surreal. We are so grateful as a family. The last case we have for you today was solved untraditionally, as it began with the suspect being caught before all the crimes were known. On April 15th, 2000, the body of Krishana Logan was discovered in Toledo, Ohio. The 19-year-old was found strangled in her apartment. An autopsy revealed that she had been assaulted before she died. DNA samples were taken from the scene, but they weren't found to match anyone known in the system, nor did they match with Krishana's boyfriend, who had initially been arrested and charged with the murder. But surprisingly, the sample did match two other cases. The same DNA was found in the case of an abduction and assault of a 17-year-old, who had been taken from a parking lot before being released in August 2000, as well as the abduction and assault of a 13-year-old girl taken from a bus stop in October 2000. Even though the police knew that the same perpetrator was guilty of at least three crimes, they had no suspects. Krishana's boyfriend had the charges against him dismissed when the DNA wasn't a match and so they wouldn't have a suspect for a few decades as all three cases went cold. Because the mysterious unknown suspect had attacked his victim so frequently, the police believed that he would strike again. But when no other cases were uncovered, they assumed that he might have moved away from the area or died. It wasn't until two decades later that they would hear again from the perpetrator. In November 2020, 54-year-old Kenneth M. Marshall was arrested in Hammond, Indiana for an incident of criminal confinement and serious bodily injury. During his arrest, the Lake County Sheriff's Department took a DNA sample from Marshall as part of the standard procedure. This sample was then entered into a national DNA database. Within months of Marshall's DNA being taken, the state of Ohio's Bureau Criminal Investigation Laboratory discovered that he matched one of their unsolved cases. After looking deeper, they realized that he matched three. On January 4, 2021, the Ohio police were able to link him to Krishana's murder and the two other assaults. After two decades, the series of crimes targeting women in Toledo, Ohio, during 2000, were finally solved. It hasn't yet been ruled out that Marshall may have committed other attacks in the years between his arrest. On the 15th, Marshall was officially charged with aggravated murder and felonious assault. He will also be charged with the specification of being a repeat violent offender. He was extradited back to Ohio and arraigned, 
with his bail set at $1.3 million. These three cases are just the beginning of a year that is expected to see even more cold cases finally solved.